I'm going to read Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 7 for us. Um, so you can just listen. It's a letter to the exiles. <clears throat> Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by the king Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Jehoasin, the queen mother of court officials, and the, the other officials of Judah and all the craftsmen and artisans had been deported from Jerusalem. He sent the letter with Elasa, son of Sapha, and Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, when they went to Babylon as King Zedekiah's ambassadors to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what Jeremiah's letter said. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the ca captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Amen. Well, in 2016 or so, I went on a retreat on the grounds of a Franciscan convent. The residents of that convent are the Hospital Sisters of St. Francis. The property is beautiful. There are well-kept grounds to walk, a beautiful chapel to pray and meditate, one part of the grounds that grabbed my attention was a little museum they keep on the grounds of the history of their sisterhood. The museum tells the story of how beginning in, 19, uh, in 1875, in that November, the sisters who reside there have followed in the footsteps of St. Francis of Assisi by devoting their lives to caring for the poor. The exhibit that caught my eye was a timeline. It was called The Needs of Our time. A sign next to it that you can see up on the screen reads, throughout our history, we recognized needs in society that were not being met. Upon the invitation of a local bishop, we worked to make a positive impact in improving the quality of life for those for whom we cared. Many times we arrived with little or no preparation other than our basic training and God-given instinct. When the need was met and the quality of life improved, we moved on to another need and did what needed to be done. This timeline details the way these devoted women of God have made it their goal to be about meeting whatever the needs of their time might be. In this exhibit are 72 artifacts of needs they've met in their history. They established hospitals, they built orphanages, opened clinics, gave bread, encouraged uh, women who were business owners, established pharmacies and schools and nursing homes. These women made it their goal to know their world and make it better. The Hospital Sisters of St. Francis in Springfield, Illinois, understood how the church is supposed to interact with the world around us, how we are to practically day in and day out live out God's mission of shalom. We look around at the world around us and we find a way to make it better. We've been in this series called Stay on Target. We've been talking about God's mission and our mission. We said that God's mission is shalom, 
the pervasive, all-encompassing sense of peace that happens when everything is as it's supposed to be. We said that this mission will be realized when two things happen, when everyone knows God and when all creation is flourishing. We talked about how as we join God on his mission, we keep our eyes on the one that isn't here yet, just like the shepherd who left the 99 sheep to go find the one who'd been lost. And in the last few weeks, we've turned our attention to the how, the strategies, the activities we do that help us accomplish the mission of God as we seek to reach the one. We talked about living fully in worship. We said that in worship, we're reminded who we are and who God is. We're invited to realign our lives around God's mission. Last week, we said that another non-negotiable for the church is to love deeply in community. We said that when we practice healthy community, it blesses the church and it causes the world to take notice. Today, we're landing our series on this third strategy, this third activity that we engage in as the church that helps us to accomplish God's mission. The third thing we do as a church community to participate in God's mission is to give freely in service. We serve. Just as the church has always participated in worship, it has always grown deep in community, the church has always been about serving the world around us. There are lots of ways that we give, and when we talk about giving here at Harbor, there's lots of ways we give. And, and some of those have to do with living fully in worship. Some of the giving comes out of um, living in worship and in loving deeply in community. Worship reminds us, right, that what we have isn't really ours. And so we give financially to God's work in the world as a way of practicing that we know our money came from him and belongs to him as a way of affirming that when we say God is our God and that he will provide for us, we believe it. We believe that he'll care for us so we don't need to hold tightly to our money. So we give out of worship. We also give out of our love for each other in community because when we practice the koinonia fellowship we talked about last week, we can't just sit by and watch while those in our family struggle. That's why when you give to Harbor here financially, some of your giving goes directly to help families at need here in our Harbor community. But today we're going to talk about one aspect of giving freely. It's the aspect of giving freely in service that is outward focused, that's looking out at the world around us. The reason that we give freely in service to the world around us is that that's what God made us for. That's what he called us for. If we can remember back to the first week of our series when we talked about the mission that God has for us and we talked about how God invites humanity to be part of our mission, we'll remember God's calling of Abraham in Genesis 12. In this conversation, God told Abraham why he was blessing him. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God's whole plan in creating a people for himself was to create people who would join his mission, people who would bring shalom. And we said that two ways we spread shalom are by helping everyone know God and by helping all creation flourish. That means built into the very DNA as God's people is the call to serve. 
to make creation beautiful, to help the world, its people, and everything in it flourish. This call to serve, to be a blessing, is behind the words of Jeremiah that Laura read for us a moment ago. In those verses, Jeremiah is addressing the people of Israel soon after they've been brought to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. While there's much to be said for these verses just on their own, I want to make sure you know the context in which these words were spoken. These words were spoken to the people in response to a false prophecy given to the people by a man named Hananiah. So Hananiah was basically telling the people of Israel that their time in captivity in Babylon would be quick, that God would rescue them and bring them back to Jerusalem in just a couple of years, which sounded great to the people, right? If I were a captive somewhere, I would love to hear, it's going to be over really soon, you're going to be home. And so they just had to hold on a couple years, Hananiah said, try not to get the stink of Babylon all over you and you'll be home soon. The problem is, that's not what God said. (laughs) God had told the people clearly that they would be in captivity for a long time. A generation, 70 years. Long enough that many of them would die in exile. And God had a purpose for their time in exile. He had a plan for how he would work in them and through them while they were living far from home. This is why Jeremiah spoke the words Laura just read to the people of Israel. In verse 4, Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah wants to make it clear, though Hananiah had claimed to speak for God, his message wasn't God's words. In fact, Hananiah died two months after Jeremiah called him out for lying to the people. So this message that Laura read for us was sent after Hananiah's death. Jeremiah started by making sure that people knew that although Hananiah's message sounded good because they wanted to go home, that wasn't what God had in mind. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, God was speaking now. To the exiles whom I have sent into exile, God sent them to exile in Babylon. God sent them away from home. It was God's doing. It was God's plan. He had sent them for a purpose, and they wouldn't be brought home until his purpose for them was complete. I enjoy reading the words to the exiles in Babylon because I think we too might consider ourselves exiles We know that our ultimate destination is not the world as it is, but the new heavens, the new earth. Paul reminded the early church in Philippians that this world is not our home. He said, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This world is not our home. And since we know that this world is not our home, it's possible that just like the people of Israel, we might be tempted to kind of just block out the world around us and think about home. We might start to think that we don't really need to worry too much about what's happening on this earth because after all, we're going to die and go to heaven someday, so who cares? 
And in the short time we are stuck here, we should probably not have too much to do with those other people out there because they're not like us. So we should probably just keep to ourselves in our own little holy huddle, curl up and wait for heaven. (laughs) If that's a temptation for us, Jeremiah's words from God are for us. Jeremiah goes on to say, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives, have sons, have daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Jeremiah says, listen up. God has something for you here in Babylon. So live your lives. Plant gardens. Get married. Have children. Settle in. It's going to be a while. I think these instructions remind us of the tension we live in as the people of God. We know that this world is not all there is. We know that this world is not our home. We know that there is a someday that will be infinitely better than what we see now. And that reality is important. It helps us not to lose hope, doesn't it? It keeps us confident that evil won't win in the end, that there is a day coming where there will be no more pain, no more sadness, no more injustice. We need to remember that truth to keep going. And we also need to remember that God has planted us here, right where we are, right now, for a purpose. He's put us at Harbor of Hope here in Greater Lowell on purpose in our families, on purpose, in our neighborhoods, on purpose, in our workplaces, on purpose. We are not just here to kill time until Jesus comes back. We're not here to just look around in disdain at a world that doesn't look like Jesus. We're not supposed to curl up in a corner in fear because, look at the culture, it's so scary out there. We're supposed to flourish We're supposed to live full lives and enjoy our relationships and jobs and plant flowers and smell them and eat fresh tomatoes and see the beauty of God's image in every single person we meet. We're not here to hide. We're here to thrive. And while we're thriving, Jeremiah tells us something else that we're supposed to do. In verse 7, he says, But seek the welfare of the city I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So not only does God want us, his people, to flourish, he wants us to help our community flourish. He wants us to seek the welfare of the city where we live. He has sent us here as his ambassadors. He hasn't yet called us home, so he has work for us to do. He wants us to make the world where we live flourish. We aren't supposed to be surprised that the world around us doesn't look like God's kingdom. We're not supposed to be surprised that Babylon looks and acts like Babylon. (laughs) We're not supposed to be afraid of it or judgmental of it. We're supposed to change it with the love of God. That's the big idea of this passage. This passage is telling us, while we're far from home, God wants us to help our community flourish. 
while we're walking toward heaven, walking toward home, God wants us to do everything we can to make this place, this world, this culture look more and more like Jesus. Look more and more like heaven, where every tribe and tongue and language lives and worships together in unity around the throne of God, where sickness and disease and poverty are a memory, where there is perfect peace. Shalom. While we're here, a non-negotiable part of our mission is to serve the world around us, to get active, to help God's shalom come to earth. And this passage tells us two ways that we can do that. We can seek and we can pray. The passage says, seek the welfare, pray for the welfare of your city. Seeking. Seeking implies activity. Just like we talked about a few weeks ago with the parable of the shepherd who went looking for the lost sheep, we have to go looking for the welfare of our city. That's what James told the church in the New Testament, that we are called to act on the needs of others. He says, suppose a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? Seeking the welfare of our city requires knowing what the needs of our city are and then taking steps to help meet those needs. Do we know those things about our community? Can I tell you a little bit about what I've learned about our community since I moved here? Would that be okay? So we live in Greater Lowell. Depending on what you count as part of Greater Lowell, there are about 300,000 people in Greater Lowell. That's 300,000 people that God has invited us to help flourish. 300,000 people that we can help know him. 300,000 people God wants to experience his perfect shalom. There is an organization um, in Greater Lowell called Community Teams. Each year, Community Teams puts together a community report with information about the greatest needs um, of Greater Lowell. They also put together uh, city-specific reports. So you could go there and find information, particularly on the city where you live. Um, We'll link to that, by the way, on uh, Facebook this week. So come find our Facebook page this week, and we'll have links there to find some of these reports if you're interested in reading more. But in their most recent report, community teams uh, found the five most pressing individual needs in Greater Lowell. So these are the top five issues that individuals in our community cite as barriers to their flourishing. So these are the top five needs in our community. Affordable housing, living wages, education and training, employee supports, and affordable childcare. These are the needs in Greater Lowell that are the biggest obstacles to the flourishing of individuals, the flourishing of those 300,000 people in Greater Lowell. Those are the top five things that stop people from flourishing in Greater Lowell. Did you know that here in Chelmsford, someone would have to work 90 hours a week at minimum wage, 90 hours a week, to afford a two-bedroom apartment? 90 hours a week to afford a two-bedroom apartment. That's more than two full-time jobs in order to afford a place to live. You all know that this is one of the most expensive places in the country to live. So housing affordability, although it's a problem everywhere in our country right now, is particularly severe here 
in Greater Lowell. This report also identified what they call the top three community needs, so three areas in which we as a community need improved structure and resources. And those top three areas were uh, creation of affordable quality housing, industry and employment, so places for better jobs, <laughs> and mental health and counseling. Mental health care is one of the biggest issues in our community. If these three issues were just solved, it would go a long way toward helping our community flourish. These three areas need attention and resources. And that's part of why here at Harbor we invite you to give freely because that's how we actively seek the welfare of our city. We give of our time, our treasure, our talent so that our city can flourish. As I mentioned earlier, when you give financially here at Harbor, it helps us tangibly meet the needs of people right here at Harbor. It helps us assist people with rent or a bill or something like that. When someone has a hard season, we can send market basket gift cards for groceries. And when you give, we also meet the needs of Greater Lowell together. Your giving last year allowed us to give three gifts of $5,000 each to our three community partners. Your giving helped us fund the work of the WISH Project as they provide for people's basic needs so that they can move into flourishing life. Your giving helps us fund the work of Place of Promise as they provide holistic mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. Your giving allows us to help fund the work of the International Institute of New England because all those issues that affect our community are even more difficult when you arrive to New England from someplace else and don't know the language or the customs or the systems of our country. And that's why we give of our time, too. That's why we want you to join us every second Saturday at the WISH Project, because it's a tangible way we can help make our community look more like heaven. Affordable housing, affordable child care, living wages, mental health care, these are the issues of our time. Wouldn't it be amazing if as we look back over the history of Harbor of Hope, we could create our own timeline of how God used us to meet the needs of our time. How God used Harbor to help people find housing. How God used Harbor to provide support for those in need of mental health care. How God used Harbor to help our city be a place where people are paid fair wages that allow them to live a flourishing life. Those are God-sized goals, Harbor. These issues of affordable housing and mental health care and better jobs, they're difficult, they're complex. If they were easy to solve, we would have solved them already. And that's why God doesn't just tell us to act doesn't just tell us to do things to be active in serving our community. He also tells us to pray for the welfare of our city. We are to pray for our city, to get on our knees and beg God to help solve the problems in our city, for God to fix what's broken in Greater Lowell, for God to help Greater Lowell thrive. What would happen if we did that? What would happen if we as a church committed to seriously praying for the welfare of our city? 
What if we made a point every day, every one of us, to ask God to help Greater Lowell thrive? What could happen if we did that? Well, it might look a little bit like a recent election in Kenya. Last week, I went to get uh, a vaccination for my upcoming trip to the Dominican Republic. Uh, we're going, some of us, to visit our partners with Food for the Hungry in El Mirador. Uh, while I was getting my vaccine, I struck up a conversation with the Kenyan-American woman who was giving me my shot. She was telling me how this past August there was a lot of strife in her home country of Kenya uh, because there was a presidential election coming. They had had a previous election where there was a lot of violence, and there were, again, threats of violence. There was a lot of fear about widespread rioting and violence surrounding the election day and its results. But she told me that the church in Kenya decided to pray. In every single county in Kenya, the church preached peace. The church prayed for peace. They prayed words like, may we seek to better understand the issues and concerns that confront us as a nation Grant us ears that heed to the cries of the vulnerable and minds that discern what's right and wrong. Enable us to choose leaders who abide by your word. May God guide us as we elect the next set of leaders. This is how they prayed. They prayed, just prayed for their cities, for their counties, for their countries. They took seriously how the word of God and how prayer is powerful. They took seriously God's commands to pray for our leaders, to pray for our countries. And election day came and went. And this is what one news source reported about the elections. Kenyans went to the polls last week in an election widely hailed as one of the most transparent and peaceful in the nation's history. The church prayed. How will we pray for our city? How will we seek the welfare of our city? What will the timeline of Harvard look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What will God allow us to be part of? What needs of our time will God enable us to meet? As we close our series on mission this morning, we're going to spend some time praying together. Here in this room, we're going to get in little groups to pray. If you're online, Renette is going to unmute you so you can pray online or you can type your prayer into the chat. We're going to spend some time praying. We're going to pray together for our city, for the needs of greater Lowell. Let's pray for each other that we will stubbornly choose to love each other deeply in community. Let's pray that our times of worship together will help us keep choosing God's mission of shalom. Let's pray for the one who is not yet here. Let's pray that we will stay focused in our mission as a church, that we will seek the flourishing of all creation, that we will seek everyone knowing God. Pray together that we as a church will stay on target. After a while, I'll close us, and then the band is going to lead us in a song. God, what a gift it is to hear the voices of your people lifted up all over this room and online, um, praying for our city. 
I'm so thankful, God, for the way you've built us as a community at Harbor, that we see uh, different pieces. We see different needs. Our hearts um, break about different issues, and that's on purpose. (laughs) No one of us um, can carry the weight of all that is broken, all that needs fixing, and I'm so thankful that that we get to worship in community um, where our hearts beat for different needs. God, we, we want to be used by you to make greater Lowell look more like heaven. We want to be used by you so that our city becomes a place of peace. And we know that prayer is powerful. We know that prayer changes things. So God, we pray. We're praying big prayers that you would solve home home issues, God, affordable houses and all the issues that cause homelessness, all the health care issues that make it hard for people to get the care that they need, Um, all the brokenness in the the whole way our economy works that makes it hard for people to just afford to live (laughs) and have food and, and clothes and a home. All of that is big and it's really broken, but we believe you can fix it. We believe that you're at work, that you care. Um, So God, all the prayers that we've prayed together this morning, we lift up and we will continue lifting to you um, for the sake of greater Lowell. Help us to continue to love our city, to work for the good of our city, to pray for the peace of our city, God. In Jesus' name, amen.